What's up, everybody? It's Hold My Bread. We're live at 2.30, a dentist's favorite time. I'm your host, Matt Backus. Joel Wachowski, your other host, is here with me. How are you today, Joel? Hello, breadheads. Gather round. It is time to join the gluten gang. Let's carbo-load. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the 3,000, $224.07 podcast. You know, we're here to run the numbers at Hold My Bread, and I have no idea how Matt got 230 when it is, in fact, 11.53. Even with uh, the time difference, I don't see how... Is, is your time zone 36 minutes before me, Maddie? Well, we were supposed to record at 2.30, and I had written that joke already, so I just decided to commit to saying it. So there you have it. Yeah, we're married to the outlines here at Old High <laughs> Bread. Don't tell Gabby. So it's a fun week in the market, and I know we have been prefacing these episodes that aligned with our very nice write-up in Comedy Cake. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. That was very sweet, and I could tell you listened, and you quoted all my idiot sayings out front, so... Thanks for that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I've been teasing like, oh, we're going to write up a business plan and review it. We're going to figure out how to write stock charts. And you know what? It is surprisingly hard to write stock charts. What do you think, yeah, man? Can you believe it? I mean, can you believe it? I guess, I don't know if it's just us being uh, overconfident that we thought we could just do something that people go to school for. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of what this whole podcast is at this point. It's just us trying to do things that people have gone to school for. So, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised we couldn't do it, but I, uh, I think we tried. And we are going to school for it. Um, as of today, it is official. I am enrolled at the University of Michigan. I am pursuing an MBA and a master's in finance. Let's go get it. And that's great. Wait, so is it, are you a Wolverine or a Spartan? I'm a Wolverine. Okay, good. I just need to make sure. I need to know what color uh, pants to wear. Yeah, you got to wear maize and blue, baby. And like, is Michigan a good school? <laughs> Yes. Did it take me four attempts to take my GRE so I could send the GRE scores to Indiana? Yes. Upon finally completing my GRE this Monday morning at 4 a.m., did I forget to print screen my results and send them to Indiana? Again, a resounding yes. I did so much work to take this GRE and ultimately couldn't use the results. I feel like one of those Tibetan monks who spends months building a sandcastle, cultivate something beautiful. Then as soon as it's finished, you just tear it all down. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, with the times we're living in, and all you have to do is if anything is late or anything else is going on, just all you got to do is shrug your shoulders and go, uh, you know, quarantine. You know what I mean? It's quarantine. What can you do? Yeah, it's just like, hey, you know that um, thing you're waiting on from me? I'll have it to you in another 10 to 15 business days. The GRE, worst customer service I've ever encountered. And I knew things were going to go bad with my GRE because I have to take it in front of a proctor over Zoom. It's just like me talking with you here now, Matt, except their connection works. But um, I knew it was going to go bad <laughs> when this proctor made me put on a shirt. Did they say that to you? Were they like, we need you to put on a shirt? Yeah, they said, we need you to put on a shirt. <laughs> And, you know, I'm going for the Guinness Book of World Records. I'm not trying to get an MBA and a master's in finance. 
I'm trying to become the first person in human history to get an MBA and a master's in finance while not wearing a shirt. Honestly, I don't think we've ever recorded a pod since we've been doing these uh, remotely. I don't think we've recorded a single podcast with you wearing a shirt. And I didn't realize it until just now. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> why would I wear a shirt? You know, my body's leaner than my portfolio, baby. Not a lot of fat there. You got rid of everything you don't want and ev you got everything you want. A lot of big gains I'm, I'm seeing. I saw you pop those muscles a minute ago when you were uh, stretching for no reason. <laughs> Boom! Bang! Uh, what? So wait, what did you say when they asked you to put on a shirt? Did you? Did you? Did you oblige? Yeah, I did, but I counter-argued. I said, you know, it's 105 degrees here. You know, I said I did most of my studying shirtless, which is true. So <laughs> I, I felt a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, how long did it take you to take this? How long did well, you have to spend with this person? Well, it took four different attempts. So four different days. I would get myself geared up. I would study. I would focus. And <laughs> you would, I would put on a shirt. I would put on a shirt, <laughs> and then I would sit down to take the GRE, and the password on their end wouldn't work. So I was finally able to get the test going Sunday at 10 p.m., and it's a four-hour exam. So the last hour, I left some points on the board, but, you know, I did do something really wonderful, Matt. I smoked a little weed before the GRE and scored a 311. Hey, oh, down, down. All right. Yeah. Come original to our university. All right. Yeah. That's, that's not what, that's not what Indiana said. Um, so yeah, I am a Michigan Wolverine and it's just a satellite campus. It's not the real Michigan. It's not Stephen H. Ross. It's the satellite campus by my mom's house. Because you know me, I learned everything I need to know working on the back of box trucks. So it's the working class way for me, baby. Hey, you know, you didn't have to t say that. You know, you've been sitting with your shirt off. That's working class as can be. And I, I do want to make a transition it, to being like a legitimate like person who fosters a like sense of trust and communications. I, and I think there's a way for me to do it. I'm going to become a full-time iPad guy. Okay. No, what does this, what does this mean? I'm not going to have a cell phone. I'm not going to have a computer. I'm going to have an iPad connected to internet everywhere I go and I'm going to go to the Ralph Lauren outlet and get navy blue Oxford shirts and khaki pants. Uh, you should get uh, an extra big belt clip so you can belt clip your big iPad onto your belt. Oh, fuck yeah, that's the most <laughs> awesome idea. And you know what? I have a guy, my father makes custom belts. If anyone is able to make an iPad clip, it is my father. <laughs> if I'm walking around with an iPad clipped to my belt buckle, I think I'll look like I own the most successful Thailand company of all time. <laughs> that, that or you're going to look like a FedEx driver that left mid-shift. Hey, come on now. I did, um, did you watch The Man Show when you were a kid? Yeah, of course I, of course I did. I was a horny little man. Yeah, so I, I they did that... <laughs> joke way back in the day about how UPS guys got all the girls. And yeah, yeah, they got all the juggies. 
Yeah, and um, my <laughs> my eighth grade girlfriend shouts to Katie Green. Her dad was a UPS driver, so she gave me the socks. She gave me the shirt. I even had the parcel. So one day, all my classmates had me go around delivering their projects, and a teacher hated this bit, and she disqualified any project that I turned in. So a lot of kids failed because I was trying to be a UPS guy at Bryant Middle School. Wow, that's not fun. It's creativity. What what kind of teacher stifles creativity in such a way? That's that's the '90s for you, or in your case, the '70s. Oh come on! It was the, it was <laughs> it was 2000. It was it was April of 2000. <laughs> um, so before we get into it, before we get into a conversation that I think we should probably have with the caveat that this podcast is people who are learning. They are projecting, and this is a conversation about stock charts had by people who've been seriously studying the stock market for seven months. And so before, yeah. we, before we get into it, I did see a couple interesting things in the market today. Um, we talk about how when companies go, they, they IPO, they, they, don't, they don't do it because... All, all the time because the company's ready to become a public offering. They don't do it because they think they're ready to be a commodity. A lot of times these companies, they do it because going public is a way to really raise money for a company. You get all the money from the shares that are underwritten and then listed and sold at the market. And I saw a really prescient example that aligns with my outside interests of a company using this exact practice. Do you want to guess what that is, Matt? You know I, I'm interested anyway. I, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like you're trying to throw me off. I, can, I don't know if I can guess because I feel like I'm being bamboozled and tricked because I feel like I'm set up for, to give an answer that is not correct. It is the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. I'm, saying, I'm sorry, I'm misspeaking. It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And it really struck me because they went public on Monday. And as we know, the NFL came out with an announcement in the latter side of last week that the entire preseason was canceled. And that's significant to me because the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremonies happen in Canton, Ohio, late July every year. And they align with the first preseason game. So Canton, Ohio... They're not having that game. They're not having that enshrinement. However, they have announced plans for a huge Hall of Fame expansion. Are they going to finally let Pete Rose in? That's the question everyone wants to know. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> Pete Rose, he's not in the MLB Hall of Fame, but he is in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's what they should do. They should let Pete Rose in every Hall of Fame, but the, but the MLB Hall of Fame. I see that Pete Rose is banned. Is he allowed to visit Cooperstown? <laughs> yeah, is he banned from entering in any way? Like, is he allowed to buy a ticket? That's a good I, question. I think he is banned. Honestly, I mean, you know, I, I think it goes without saying. If he show, they probably have his picture uh, pinned up, or they're like, "Do not admit this man." Yeah, so I saw them go public for a, and they sold it roughly six dollars a share. So that's a pretty huge influx of money for the NFL Hall of Fame, and you really, you can kind of see in real time these companies 
adjusting the, to the coronavirus economy and becoming commodities to fund their corporate ambitions. I think it's pretty interesting. What does the NFL or what does the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what do they have planned? I mean, I, I just don't understand what they're trying to accomplish down the road. What, is, what are they raising funds for other than just to keep their doors open? I don't understand. They're trying to become a better tourist destination. It is the national game. They're trying to become where the game lives. And if you visited a Hall of Fame, you notice that oftentimes they're not very good. Like the Baseball Hall of Fame is great. The Basketball Hall of Fame, you know I'm the biggest basketball diehard around. The only reason to visit is that it's next to a water park. Like <laughs> I went well, two years I went two years ago, and the exhibits on display were literally from 2003. So they were 15 years out of date. In a couple of years, they're going to offer up a, a CTE coin. It's going to be their new Bitcoin currency. Yeah, you're going to – and it's a CTE coin because they'll be able to convince their former players it's worth a trillion dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. I I mean, whatever. I, I'm not going to knock them for doing what they're doing. I, it's just it's such a crazy thing to me. It's It's – I didn't realize anybody could file for an IPO if they if they wanted to. And it is truly anyone could file. And I looked up what are, do other museums file for? Do they go public? And a couple of them do. I think probably the biggest one, the most successful one, is Graceland. Graceland is a publicly traded company. And I don't know if you know this. But have you ever seen the bodies exhibit? I have not. I, I know what it is, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So the bodies exhibit, they took, they take embalmed human bodies. They put them on display through pans of panes of glass and they go on, they tour them around the country. So premier exhibitions, they have two exhibits. They have bodies and they have the Titanic and they have been a publicly traded company since 2002. Sorry, 2000. What do you think they opened for in January of 2000? Uh, $3. Three, $3. $26 a share. Wow. That's a little bit less than what Beyond opened for. That's, a, that's about two-thirds what Beyond. They have an all-time high stock price in July, August of 2007 of $161 a share and what do you think they're selling for now? I, 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 uh, it's got to have, it has to have gone way down, right? I mean, it's, I don't think it's below IPO price, but it can't be that high. It is below a dollar. It, it is below 10 cents. It is below one cent. You can pick up shares of the bodies exhibit for just over half a cent a share. Wow. All right. So what we got to do is we got to buy a bunch of these shares and then we got to get them some new bodies. And I don't mean regular bodies. We got to get some like big bodies, little bodies, bodies tied together. Uh, we got to get these, you know, new bodies. We need yeah. fresh bodies. Yeah. And then we'll just really plug them on the, the podcast here. Like all our iTunes reviews will be like, yeah, these guys try hard to learn the market, but why do they keep shoehorning in taxidermy? <laughs> I once, one time, I, did you ever go to that, there was a taxidermy museum, I think it was in Greenpoint in, in Brooklyn. Did you ever see that? Do you remember walking by that? It was near, uh, uh, where was it by? It was I by. Think I think you're wrong. I think it was by Halyards and Park Slope. 
That's exactly right. It was by in Park Slope. I went on a date there one time, and I saw like a double-headed goat, and uh, that was the one and only date I went on with this woman. But it was fun. It was a good date, you, you it, know. Asked, did you try this line? You know, after this, I feel like you could get stuffed. <laughs> uh, I did try that. She was uh, not having it. We went and made out on a bench, and then I never saw her again. Those are the best dates. You make out once on a bench, you never talk to each other ever again. That's perfect yeah. romance. You don't want anything more than that. And just while we're here, I want to talk about, we have a rule. We support any company with a fun stock abbreviation. And there's a, there's a chain of strip clubs. I read an article on the strangest IPOs. And for whatever reason, they included Lululemon. But another was a chain of 28 strip clubs, Rick's Cabaret International. What is the abbreviation? Rick. R-I-K? R-I-C-K. R-I-C-K. I think it was a Rick's Cabaret in Indianapolis, if I'm correct. I think I may have been there, actually. I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, I'm not a strip club guy, but, you know, I will leave that to you, baby. Yeah, you know, I love to support a uh, small business, and I mean the women. I don't mean the strip clubs themselves. I uh, I support independent contractors. <laughs> yeah, and so we've kind of been criticizing Robin Hood a lot recently, and I think that leads into our larger conversation on stock charts. And like Robin Hood, they are not fostering huge institutional investors into the marketplace. It's a lot of individuals and they're kind of treating like millennials with this fixed pandemic income, the way like National Enquirer treats city, senior citizens with a fixed social security income. It's and, very predatory to me. Yeah. And like Robinhood, their actual progress as an institution is our uninformed non-professional traders like our sloppy trading is their product and we're giving them inefficient trades as compared to their institutional traders i yeah i i think it's uh it's interesting to see how it robin has changed so much over the last couple weeks yeah and there's a there's a big system where one of the things that institutional investments have looked for it, for a long time in planning where they put income is how individuals are acting. And there's, a, there's all these studies done about why individuals will always fail to beat the market. And that's because the market is actively playing against you. So we go over stock charts. And one of the biggest pieces of information in stock charts are they look for trade orders that aren't in a round number. like. If it's an institution, if it's a high volume investor, they're going to be buying in volumes of 100. If the volumes are of an odd number, that's a big red flag for many of the algorithms. Well, uh, before we get too into this, uh, should, we, should we explain what a stock chart is real quick? Yeah. Do you want to take the lead on that? I can do that. So, I mean, I'm going to, uh, again, this is a podcast where, we're, where we are learning, but I think it's basically... A uh, stock chart is a um, a mapping, a, a price plotted um, map of information, different information, um, making up the, the the progressing of the stocks. Uh, it is basically charting the stocks 
uh, outcome and kind of trying to predict what it's going to do based off of its path. And if you've ever looked at a, you know, this, everyone thinks of the stock market, they think of up and down and, and all that stuff. That's basically what the chart is, um, but the stock chart itself has more information. And I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, some, a stock chart, a stock chart is basically made up of a few different things. Uh, price, the volume bars, the moving average lines, the relative strength lines, uh, and all those things basically make up a chart. And we thought we'd be able to just come in and and make our own. And uh, obviously, people go to school for a long time to do that. So it's very hard to make your own, but it's not impossible to learn how to read one for yourself. Yeah, and I, I set aside eight hours to learn how to make a stock chart yesterday. And I didn't learn how to make it, but I learned how to read them pretty generally. And like, let's go, let's backtrack a little bit. What are two terms you used? First, moving average. And that basically means you smooth out a price. It's not about the daily price fluctuations. It's about setting an average for like a week or a given period of time. Because like we're big on DraftKings and we know DraftKings goes up and down every day, but that piece of information isn't valuable in, in a chart. What you need to look at is that price steadied out over a week time span. Absolutely. You need to, uh, you need to find the, it, it, you really get the color by expanding and looking at uh, what it is in the big picture one day that's why you can't freak out if there's like today the market's opened red really red today really down today um but you can't freak out about that because it's not just one day it's it's all the days making up the the kind of the tapestry of the whole market sort of thing uh the big picture uh, as it were so i think that's exactly that's exactly what it is that's so that's average moving average line uh the price the prices i think are good to talk about too because the prices obviously shows the the daily change in the price. So that's one of the elements. You have the price, the daily change, you have the moving average line. Uh, and then, well, did you want to touch more on the moving average line or do you want to talk about the volume bar? Well, you actually said one other thing. You said tying it to the tapestry of the market. First of all, when's the last time you had a tapestry? I mean, I'm looking at a tapestry right now. Now I am in my mom's house right now, but I'm looking at a beautiful tapestry full of colors. It's, it's a piece of art. Yeah. And, you know, you, I just want to have people come over to my house after this is all over so they can look at my wonderful connect collection of tapestries. Do you guys want to come over and look at my rich tapestry collection? Hey, I, I'm not to brag, but I got my own loom room. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the loom room, bitch. And you talk about tying it to the tapestry of the market. And there is that's what the relative strength line is that you said, like. That measures a stock's performance against that of the overall market as measured usually by the S&P 500. I, I was just about to say the, the S&P 500 is a huge, uh, it's a huge measuring stick to uh, compare to the rest. Um, also, the Loom Room is going to be a podcast I will be starting shortly. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to have people to come on and talk about famous looms, famous tapestries. We're going to have Nicolas Cage on and he's going to talk about the ones he'd like to rescue from museums. Um, and I'm going to start a competing podcast called the womb room loom, where I have that same podcast, <laughs> but my guests are only pregnant ladies. <laughs> We're going to do Lamaze on air and you know what, I'm going to really have them open up both literally and figuratively. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for the podcast episode where you have someone give birth on the podcast. It's just a lot of screaming. Yeah. And like we can have the ad, the afterbirth come out during our ad reads. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's over when you hear a skloosh and you're like, and that's it. Back to the podcast. 
Yeah. That, okay. So back to Wall Street. So like these people chartists, I think they're about 10% of investment in professionals. And this is like a practice of technical analysis. Like, I guess it started by someone named Joseph de la Vega in Amsterdam in the like 17th century. Like Amsterdam, their markets in the 17th century were crazy. We learned so much about them today. Like they're like the dot-com bubble, the real estate bubble, the electric car bubble that we're going to get in a year. Like you can see so many parallels between what's going on now with how the Dutch tulip bulb market nearly bankrupted Holland in those days. Yeah, I think we're going to do an episode on that, actually, I think. Uh, and I'm excited to learn about that because I've heard about that, and I, but I obviously don't know much about it. So I'm excited to actually do an episode on that. Yeah, we were going to do a review of Random Walk Down Wall Street, and instead, like, I have whatever chapter I'm reading inform all this shit. And you know what? That book is responsible for our fight, too. It is? Yeah, that quote, that study I read that you got so mad at me for citing, like, I literally read it in that book the day before. It wasn't the study. It was the way the study was presented. But we don't need to rehash the, that fight we had through text in front of our mutual friend. It made me look bad. We don't need to bring that up. It didn't make you look <laughs> bad. But Mag, he backed down quickly. It was like, hey, uh, you know, I've always been in your corner. He's like, you know what? You have. So we got over very quickly. And we're back That's and better true. than ever. It's true. It's true. You got to have, uh, you know, smooth ships or smooth, sa- smooth waters never made good sailors or some bullshit saying like that. Right. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there was a, there's all these like since financial markets have existed, people have always tried to find an edge. And like what happened in Holland, like it kind of was continued over in Asia in the 18th century with something called the candlestick techniques, which became like a really valuable technical analysis tool. And like these works, they were kind of brought into our usage in the 1920s and 30s, but there's been some pretty funny like correlations between what actually affects the market. So my favorite, let's get back into it. There is the Super Bowl correlation. And that is if the if the winner of the Super Bowl is an original NFL team, because there were two leagues, the NFL and the AFL. And if it's one of those teams win the Super Bowl, it will be a bull market. And if one of the AFL teams wins, more often not than not, we'll face a bear market, which means what's responsible for these recessions we've faced as young adults? Is it the housing market? Is it the inefficiencies of our economy as a whole? No, it's Bill fucking Belichick. Yeah, absolutely. Bill Belichick's responsible for so much more than people realize. Yeah, the only thing you should buy stock in because of Belichick is hoodies. Um, but, but not the sleeves. No, no, definitely not. Ah, geez, I'm, I'm so sorry Matt Marin got canceled. I love that guy. R.I.P. Um, uh, the other correlation was the, ni- <laughs> the 1929 stock market crash aligned with ladies' hemlines. The more women showed their legs, the better the stock market was. I that doesn't surprise me at all. I you know I I, I see a woman's legs around, and I want to work harder. I want to push a little bit further. I want to make a little bit more money. They're motivating. It's a motivating factor. The higher the hem, the higher the uh, S and P and any of these practices, they can be 
you can find a stock correlation with anything. They can all eventually be debunked. And it is kind of interesting. The most effective indicator of how the S&P 500 performs, what do you think it is, Maddie? Um, damn it. I used to actually know this. I can't remember. I, I don't know. I really don't know. It is most accurately measured by the volume of butter production in Bangladesh. Oh, well, that's not what I was going to guess, but okay. I love it. So how to read a stock chart. This is what institutional investors beat to use us. They see how many shares are being bought and sold and they can tell where and when it happens. And like when you see a chart, the value is you can see the story of a stock unfold. You interpret the price and the volume action. And because a lot of times like these momentum companies like your Amazon, your Tesla, your AMD, a lot of times before they do price breakthroughs at like the hundred mark, the $1,500 mark, they flirt with that line a little bit. And there is a correlation between how stocks reach different thresholds and what they will eventually reach. Right. There are barriers to push through. I mean, there's been, you brought up AMD. AMD has been dancing around above 60 for a little bit. Uh, and then there was pullback and then they would hit earnings. And there was this whole thing with earnings would hit and they, they would report, po report positive earnings and the stock shares would still slide uh, down. Um, so I, I don't really know what it is to how, how you predict when it's going to finally break through on these things. And there's going to be a run up, but I mean, it happened with AMD today and, and yesterday, so I don't understand how you predict that stuff. But there are barriers of entry for these price points. That's why 52-week highs and things like that are very important. Yeah, and like successful options traders, they are married to their charts. Like the big stocks that I mentioned here, AMD, DraftKings, these high volatility stocks, they are the ones that are being studied. And that's especially true in the time of coronavirus, because with like such volatility, there's these wild news driven swings in the indexes. But looking at charts reminds you to just like look at the math. It's a chart. And by using so, it'll tell you where you're, where the market's going more so than opinions and headlines. I, I, yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's one of the most purest forms of, of educating yourself as far as that goes, you know, but they, you know, the saying men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. The numbers are what they are. And if you know what you're looking for and you know how to look at, uh, at a chart, it's going to, it's, it's like, like we like I said, it's, it's people go to school and they make a fortune off of learning how to read these charts. And if you can get good at it, again, it's easier said than done necessarily, but if you can get good at it, this is where there's a lot of money to be made because it goes, that's the way I look at, I've been trying to look at sports betting that same way in that, you know, if you're going to make a bet, you look at the numbers uh, that have been put out. You can read a chart on almost anything, really, if you, if you really think about it. Yeah, and you can, it, it, but you need to have things like, it's really only the stock market and sports that have these quantitative performance measures, like... You right, very stat-based things. Yeah, like you could do it for an actor, but it would just be based on like box office figures. So I don't know. I guess what Jennifer Lawrence would be the greatest actor of all time, which I guess is what Kanye West was tweeting about.
Wait, he was tweeting with Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, he was just tweeting his search results a couple days. Oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's, uh, considering some of the things he's been tweeting, that's fine, I guess. Yeah, and um, you know what? We talked a few weeks ago about how Gap must have been so pleased with how Kanye was affecting their stock market price. I would just like to take this opportunity to retract that statement. Yeah, isn't that wild? Uh, that's all. That's one of the things that I mean. Obviously, what's what's going on is very is sad, and the mental health is is it's very sad. But also, uh, he uh, this whole outbreak uh, or these whole like outbursts have been just plummeting the stock price. We saw them. The turnaround on the stock price was so insane; it went up. Uh, just astronomically high after the announcement of the deal. And then as he's slowly threatened, one of the things he tweeted out was that if he's not made, if he's not put on the board of Gap and something else, he will not fall through with the deal. So I don't know if that's possible. I don't know what is going to happen, but if he pulls through, if he pulls out on the deal, Gap, I mean, the Gap is done. I, th I think the Gap is done if, if this doesn't work out. And it has such a historic precipitous effect on the stock price, it's possible that all future analysts will look at similar declines and they'll have to assure from like an academic perspective, the most likely thing that's affecting this stock's price is a rapper's bipolar disorder. I mean, what's, you know, what more, what a better, what better analogy for the stock market though than a bipolar rapper? Uh, you know, sometimes money is you're up and you're rich as hell and the next day you're down a thousand dollars who knows okay will you um will you go to our outline will you go to page two and will you pull up the stock chart let's go over all the pieces of information that are in the stock chart i don't know if you sent me the outline i definitely did shared with mm -hmm. one person that person is oh i see it i see it i got it i'm pulling it right now and uh will you fill 30 seconds while i go piss behind the house Absolutely. This happens every episode. Every episode. Go, go pee, go pee. But every episode. Well, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm overly caffeinated. I drink a lot of coffee. And you know, I'm, I did another show before this. So I've been broadcasting for two hours straight at this point. You know, the kid's getting a little weary. He's got to have his caffeine dream. And that comes with a bit of exhaust. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, go drain your tank. I got it. Um, yeah, I will. T uh, Joel is not going to want to hear me talk about it. You guys might not want to hear me talk about it. But AMD, uh, we just talked about it on the last episode with Brendan Gay. Uh, AMD was trading at about 50. And as of now, they're at about 60. Uh, I don't even know, 60 something right now. Um, oh, also, I'll admit this to you guys and you guys alone. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I took a gamble and I bought some Carnival Cruise Line stock because they're super low um, just crazy, stupid low, and they can always go lower, but they're super crazy low. And I don't think the Carnival Cruise Line, um, I don't think cruises are going to go away until boomers are gone. I, I don't know if millennials and Gen Z will continue to use cruise lines, but uh, I don't think that's that's going to go away for a while. So I'm going to make I'm making a play on that, hoping they're going to come back at some point. It might be a slow climb, but I'm definitely gambling on it coming back because I bought some shares yesterday for 14 and it's already up to about 15 ish. So what'd you buy shares in yesterday? I can't tell you. It's a secret. You're going to have to listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, I don't listen to this podcast. I, I know. I just, I just told everybody, I just told the listeners, I said, now that Joel's gone, I can tell you all a secret. Listen, 
if anyone's listening to this show, we please DM me and tell me what was on the show. <laughs> I know that's a pretty low bar to clear, but that's where we are here at Hold My Bread. Join the gluten gang. It completely contradicts everything I talked about a few episodes back, but I did it anyway. So, um, but let's get into this. Uh, we're going to read into this chart. Uh, I have it pulled up here, page two. And don't violate me. I got I got secrets on you, Bacchus. <laughs> I would never disrespect. I, you. I got bi- I got the biggest secret on you. There is. I don't know if that's true, but okay. Oh oh oh! Are you talking? About- <laughs> it's yes. not that big of a deal. It's not that juicy. Oh, it's not? It's not that juicy. I just don't want people to know. I don't really care. I don't care too much about it, but it's not huge. All right. It's not like it's not, it's not controversial. I'm going to pay it off with most of my gambling money, so it doesn't really matter. And I got to say, it's only the second most embarrassing thing in our friend group that someone has done with a laser. Um, that is not <laughs> It's not. It's not embarrassing. I don't think it's – I'm not embarrassed. I, uh, it's, and why uh, is it's, it a secret? Because I just don't, I just don't care. It's not, nobody else needs to know about it. Okay. So the most embarrassing thing that happened in our friend group with a laser was our good friend, Jack Comstock, who would listen to this show if he knew how to download a podcast. Um, He got, he has a tattoo on his chest and he got one free tattoo removal session. And then he was shocked to find out that he had to pay for the other tattoo removal sessions. And then he just has a faded tattoo on his chest. Yes. So he just took a, he just took a filled in tattoo and then, and then aged it 30 years in one sitting. And then was like, this is cool. I'm good. Mission accomplished. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of it will rub away. I told him I'd get rid of it with a cheese grater, but he didn't want to do it. So. Okay, so we have the stock chart in front of us, and there's nine pieces of information on this um, on this chart. We're using one for investors.com as a reference, and you'll see in if you were going to make your own chart, there you, you most people usually they rely on a service just because there's a prohibitive amount of division you'd have to do to make your own chart. So the first two pieces of information. We have a 10-week moving average and a 40-week moving average. And, you know, we're looking at Lululemon. We can see a slight increase in the price. Oh, we are looking at Lululemon. What a, what a, did you get to pick this or just this is the one they gave you? This is the one they gave me. I think there is some, you could tell that um, investors.com is kind of bought and sold because they keep talking about how Robin Hood's valuable. And I think they're deep in the pockets of big yoga pants because this is the same company that included Lululemon on the charts of weirdest companies to go public. Uh, yeah, that's oh wow! What a list. We we got to go down that list at some point. That's crazy. I, if that's on the list, I can't imagine what other bullshit made the list. But um, yeah, it's the ten to forty ten week moving average, forty week moving average, which goes back to what we were saying is if you can stretch out that much information, it really gets you a picture of what what it's going to do and what it's been doing. And that's how the trend line is kind of developed. And there that that you can kind of see that price by looking at a normal stock chart, which measures the day-to-day volatility. But if you go to three, you have the relative strength, which is comparing it to the S&P 500 performance. My dog is vomiting three feet away from me. And number four, that shows the volume of shares traded each day. So 
that's a perspective that we don't even have at all. Like anyone who's really experienced in this field, they're telling us it's not about the share price. It's not about the share price. And I think these big institutions, they just use um, the volume as a biggest, bigger barometer than we even anticipate. And did, is this, oh no, he's here. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just waiting for the hold my bread um, tradition. Go on. I don't mean to. Oh, you. no. Oh, no, no, no. Don't you worry. We're locked in. I'm solid. I'm we're n there's no dropout this episode. We are we're fully committed. Unless we um, talk, unless we, there's no dropout this episode, unless we ask for Matt's college transcripts. How are we? Hey, oh, you can't drop out of something you never applied for. Boom. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. So go ahead. Okay, and you, you know volume matters because they tell it, come here, don't throw up over there. They if, actually... There you go. If you're drinking, uh, if you're playing the drinking game, uh, you, anytime Tilly runs away or throws up, you have to take a drink. Yeah, this podcast is based on four things. Learning the stock market, not wearing a shirt, my dog running away, and Matt's connection failing. That is... <laughs> That is the old my bread bingo card. We are struggling due to quarantine, but you know what? I think Matt has a better. Tilly, come back. <laughs> I know. I'm scared because there's a mountain lion in my backyard, and I saw it eating something the other night. So Tilly's grounded. Yeah, yeah, of course. Keep, yeah, I mean, we got to protect Tilly, the mascot of the show. Yeah, and um, the one, the big barometer. The big barometer is the sixth thing listed. The sixth thing listed. Um, that's stock zooming higher in heavy volume. What that shows is that means institutions are buying the stock. So we see that. Um, I'm looking at this chart, and you can see like the institutional volume. It when Lululemon is at its highest, it's not. It's linked to what institutions are buying it rather than what individuals so yes so that's just basically a level i mean it's just a level up it's the increase in volume of uh, basically yeah 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 so that makes that makes sense to me hopefully it makes sense to listeners it's the increase in volume as opposed to an individual buying a few maybe a few hundred shares uh the institutions obviously are buying you know thousands and hundreds of 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 shares and will you will you save this image and tweet it out with the episode? Will you do me that solid? That's a great idea. I will do that. Okay. Very good. And like, what? how do we get the story out of all stuff? That's like looking at the price and the volume together. That's what tells us the, the story of a chart. And if you look at changes in the share price, it doesn't tell you how serious the buying or selling is. That's where the volume comes from. So when looking at a stock chart, the keys are identify the trend line, look for lines of support or resistance. So number one, we see how it's going. And let's say we look at like Tesla stock. We would look at looking for lines of support and resistance. We would see this is an earnings report. This is the beginning of the recession this is them joining the s&p 500 so those big this is elon musk tweeting out yeah this is a this is somehow related to kanye west because every stock we cover is related <laughs> to kanye west <laughs> and 
you know, this also shows it'll tell you where dividends and stock splits occur. And that that's a that's important because dividends they show you how a stock is valued. Like what dividends? It's a stock paying its shareholders. Stock splits are usually a company diluting the value. And oh, I think this is kind of a fun story. So I'm I'm staying with my fiance and her wonderful family. We are in Arizona, and the patriarch of the family, this ninety-year-old uh, man, he's been slowly dying for a few months now. And we'd met once; we had a good conversation. And he knows about this podcast, and he said, "I want to I want to see Joel." So last week, I drove down to his house. I spent the weekend with him, and he could barely talk. But with the words, he went he he wanted to know about the seven words he could say, he asked my opinion on the Dow Jones. And, you know, I told him it was unstable. I told him I thought it would probably burst. And he gave, and he gave me a thumb to the side. I told him Herman Miller was a good buy and he gave me a thumbs up. And then it took him 15 minutes to really just it was kind of beautiful, actually. I watched this man summon the strength to say some sentence. He pushed aside his dinner. He pushed aside his his niece, his granddaughters and caretakers, all so he could tell me how much he enjoyed the Pfizer dividend over the course of his lifetime. Well, it's funny you bring that up. That is, I mean, that is a great story, and 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 I think I don't know. I haven't done enough research, maybe even comment on this, but I feel like um, dividends, we've seen a huge cutback in dividends given the coronavirus, given what things are going on. People used to pay a lot of their bills using their dividends, and I don't know how possible that's going to be for the next couple of months or maybe years. I don't I don't know. I, I feel like dividends are um, – it's an interesting thing now because I guess I feel like a lot of people used to make a lot of money off that. And now who knows? Cause a lot of companies are cutting back on those. No, but there's always going to be opportunities in the dividends market because dividends are how a company incentivizes the purchase of their stock. Like there was um, the company that owns a lot of the major American shopping malls, REIT, I believe is the abbreviation. They had a pretty amazing dividend offering that expired July 6th. And like, if you have it in volume, like I, I talk about my robo advisor, I use Wealthfront, it spreads my money around and like, I don't have too much money in there, but I made 2% in dividends last year and didn't even realize it. So it's a more robust market than you would anticipate. Okay, good. Interesting. Like I said, I don't, I didn't know, I, I don't know much about that, but I just thought that was interesting because I feel like I have seen a lot of stories of people cutting dividends. So um, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. And Albert Einstein, he's quoted as saying the greatest invention in human history is compound interest and dividend payments with like a stock portfolio that you don't touch. That's basically compound interest. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And like, there is like, like these, these like iconoclastic American companies, McDonald's, Pfizer, they, they have pay great dividends. The generation before us, they funded their whole retirement. They were retiring early off dividend stocks. However, where we sit, we're kind of in the shadow of dividends being 
disrupted because General Electric was the poster child for dividend payments throughout much of the second half of the 20th century. Right. And their payments were great, but as the business fell off, they kind of diversified their portfolio and they failed and they were forced to do like retroactive accounting that hurt their portfolio. They were booted off the S&P 500. So the fall from grace for the poster child for dividends probably is the reason why it's not so in vogue. Well, and I remember hearing about Disney cutting their dividends for the first time ever. I feel like their dividends have only increased for years. And uh, I believe cutting them was a was a big fl- a red flag for a lot of people. I know Microsoft has been giving out dividends for a long time, which uh, doesn't surprise me. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think with GE and I think with Disney cutting for the first time, I think that raised a lot of red flags for people. So, And that's why I was under the impression that dividends weren't necessarily – uh, super solid right now, but it sounds like that might just be a, um, I don't know, might just be me assuming and, and based off of only a few instances of that. And that's also like, we're being manipulated. Like financial news cycle, it's leaked out to individuals. Like we started this episode talking about how valuable our, our sloppiness as just people trading on hunches and opinions is to these institutional investors who are studying our charts and doing the opposite. And it's bandied about of these stocks like Tesla and Amazon, all these options trades, like you can make these gambles and it'll pay off huge. But if you really want to get ahead as a individual, the best option is to get in a conservative like index fund, find some high dividends and coast off that. It's not about building wealth in one gamble it's about steadily improving your position over time definitely and like think about it like every day you want to get closer to your goal like a certain it whether it's in a field or whether it's like reaching a threshold of like financial security and like these dividend payments every time they hit that's a step closer yeah, it's like um, I don't know. I I hate to be to bring it up again, but it's like in sports betting where you can make, you know, a few people make huge gains off of one or two bets, but it's much more sustainable and much more likely that you're going to build a builds. It's like that whole thing. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go quick, go alone. That sort of thing. Yeah, and like dividend payments, like. That's a company treating you like a shareholder. That's you vested in the in, in the business. So yeah, we got to look at previous generations, and you know we we live in this high volatility era. But let's just not ag- ignore the wisdom of our our fathers and our grandfathers and our fiancés' grandfathers. Yeah, absolutely. There's always lessons to be learned. I mean, even though shit sucks, you can always learn something from something. Cool. Well, have we gone on a a little while? I don't know. I'm not sure how long we've been going for, actually. This has really flown by. I can't remember when we started. When did we start? Yeah, I think we've gone about 50 minutes right now. So Wow, that flew by. Um, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up then. Yeah, we'll do it. Let's see if there's anything we missed in this outline, anything I want to cover. 
There's some buying and selling checklists, but again, I think they're a little too complicated for me. I think this was an entertaining episode where we give a philosophical overview of an idea and we try and infuse it with a couple entertaining anecdotes. Well, I think it's a good example, too, of what this podcast is trying to be, where uh, a stock chart is a little bit intimidating. It's a big thing, but uh, it's not impossible to to figure out. It's not impossible to talk about and to, to learn about. And obviously, we just scratched the surface of it. And, and there's, um, like we said a couple times in this podcast, people go to school for a long time uh, to learn how to do this, but it's not impossible. So. Yeah, and here you'll get, if you stick with us at Hold My Bread, if you subscribe, you give that five stars. I got classes starting in a month. You think I'm not going to take that MBA, give it, punch it up and put that education out on the virtual airwaves? Of course I'm going to do it. That's what it's all about. It's all one big picture. I'm not quitting comedy. I'm accumulating skills to become a whole new thing, baby. And thanks for being here with it. Absolutely. Well, that, uh, this was a great episode. Thank you for everybody. If you're new to the podcast from the write-up we got from Comedy Cake, we appreciate that. Um, we appreciate all the reviews and the messages and the comments, and, and it's been great. So uh, thank you for listening. Share, uh, tell your friends, tell your family. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to plug. I'm coming back to New York on Monday, and uh, I'm going to be doing some stand-up New York shows and a couple shows in New Jersey, I guess. I'm not really 100% sure, so I'll be promoting those for sure. But all I really care about right now is if you just could support the podcast, and, uh, and that's it for me. Joel, you got anything? Yeah, you know me, baby. I am um, moonlighting as a sports talking head over at the Props Network. So I will have a twice-weekly NBA podcast with four-time Emmy winner Jamoke Davis coming out very soon. And then I'm doing pilot on NFL podcast. We had a great episode. We talked about the Washington name change with SJW uh, Washington fan Allison Klemp got into the politics of that. And then I have in action segments coming out again beginning on July 30th and then they'll be twice a week. So I've got a ton of stuff. I've got a little money coming in and please support those so I can stay afloat when this $600 a week runs out. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, everybody. I appreciate you, Joel. Uh, that is another episode of Hold My Bread Down. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. That was great. Yeah, that was, that was great. Uh-